It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. everyone, welcome back to Oz Business Radio's only live streaming business and market service. Really appreciate your company on this Thursday afternoon, just gone at 12 midday, uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, that means. It is time for the call. 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes as we get through them, plus a bonus stock of the day, something that is making news and headlines today. And one of my favourite call teams uh, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, good to see you. My pleasure. And Howard Coleman is in from Team Invest as well. Our, our stock of the day, just a, a, a quick analysis from both our panel. Um, came to my attention this morning. I was reading uh, the front page of the Australian newspaper and they were referring to this uh, company as a bunch of locusts. And they said ASX listed. And I went, oh, I didn't know they were listed. Uh, Rudy, Omni Bridgeway, uh, they're litigators, I suppose, aren't they? Um, yes, and well, they, they fund litigation, yeah. which is uh, the step behind it. But so, it's, so they fund class actions yes, and yes, things like that, yes. yeah. So for, for people like yourself who go like, oh, that is new, it's actually the old IMF Bentham. Ah, so right. uh, so Omni Bridgeway was is a Dutch company. It's, yeah. I guess it's a reverse takeover. Right. Uh, but they still do the same thing. They right. still And I think the interesting part of this story is that um, apparently there was so much money sloshing around internationally that fund managers are looking for a for for alternative asset that is not necessarily correlated with share markets. Ah. Apparently, litigation funding. Is, is that new asset they found. Yeah. So oh. they are probably at the right place at the right time. There will yeah. be a lot of money coming yeah. in that sector. And uh, the share price has done all right too, has it? Probably yeah. for that reason. Um, yeah. I have to say, it's, it's not my type of investment I'm looking for. Right. Um, the outcome is always uncertain. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Right? Um, and it's, it can be very lumpy. Mm. Like, I mean, those cases can go on for quite a while. And, yeah. you, and you're never certain... I mean, so you have to. I guess you have to play it by by statistics. Yeah. I mean, how many times are going are they going to win, and yeah. and then the ultimate payout. Um, so yes, I mean, for people yeah. who uh, who like a punt, yeah, go for it. Um, Howard, what do you think of Omni Bridgeway? Um, they launch class actions against companies that um, sort of are accused of doing wrong by their shareholders or have um, misled the market. 
Sure. Um, David, uh, I and, and team invest members wouldn't like the look of this. For the last eight years since, uh, in fact, yes, eight years since 2012, its earnings have been dropping at an average rate of 12% a year. And it's gone from making about 30 cents a share to making minus 17 cents a share. Ah. So it's gone from quite a decent profit per ah. share to quite a large loss per share. So to me, uh, I can't see how an investor, a shareholder, can expect to be confident about making money about uh, from owning shares in this. I can yeah. tell you who's going to do extremely well out of this business, yeah. though. Lawyers. <laughs> so if you want to make money out of this, become a lawyer rather than a shareholder. Yeah. Over to you, David. Okay. Howard, uh, first came off the rank Sky Network, um, the New Zealand paid television network, 925,000 subscribers. Um, pretty prominent media group across the ditch. Uh, yes, and... Uh, uh, like all um, broadcast media, they're in an industry that's in decline. Revenues are declining. So it's not at all surprising that their earnings have been declining. And um, the average reduction in earnings per share over the last half a dozen years has been minus 11%. So not a good sort of industry to be in. It's a little bit like the department stores, you know. Every now and then somebody will uh, ask me, what do I think of my these prices? Well, um, you know, I've been asked about these prices for Maya for years, but each time these prices have been lower than they were previously, <laughs> for the obvious reason that it's an industry in decline, and so is broadcast television. Now, um, we can see why. We're sitting on a channel right at the moment that is not broadcast television, it's streaming media. And streaming media and other uh, entertainment media and other uh, online platforms are taking away the revenue that used to come to broadcast television. So while they do have the one advantage of sport um, in New Zealand and the All Blacks, of course, being a very important part of New Zealand, um, it's not an industry that I can see growing. And hence, uh, even though it's on an incredibly low PE ratio at the moment, uh, it's not a company that would interest any of us in, in Team Invest, David. Yeah, look at that five-year chart, Rudy. Oh, well, uh, you, should, from, you, should, you should do the 10-year. It looks similar, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is worse. <laughs> for, for almost six bucks down to yes. 29 cents. Yes. Wow. Um, just, I mean, I'm not going to agree with Howard whole day today, but uh, it's very, very difficult not to agree on, on stocks like Sky. Right. Um, I mean, it's actually in the bigger scheme of things, it's, it's actually quite a, a small company because, of course, New Zealand is not such a big population. Yeah. It's very much dependent on the sports. It's, uh, it has to transform itself, it's similar like in Australia and elsewhere. Um, paid television is, is under pressure, has to find a, a new raison d'etre. That's mm. my French again. Mm. Um, and, the, and when businesses are in that phase mm. of development, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. Yeah? Yeah. And in particular, when, when the economy goes, goes into recession, people will start pay, uh, looking at what am I paying each month? Maybe this is the one that has to go. I mean, there's yeah. no sports on, on anyway. I guess in general, I mean, I wrote a story this week for, for investors and I said, the, the big challenge in, in the share market where we are is if someone offers a Ferrari at $5,000 discount, I mean, 
that's one opportunity you have. The other one is the car dealer who can't get can't get rid of a of a, of a crappy second-hand car and offers you 50% discount. Now, which one is the real opportunity here? I'm wow. going for the Ferrari. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, no doubt, stocks that have been beaten down so much at one stage they will have a bounce. Uh, but you have to you have to realize for yourself what is a long-term investment and what yeah. is merely an yeah. opportunity that comes along and doesn't stay sustainable. Yeah. Huh? Look under the bonnet. Yes, yeah. and this one, uh, you don't want to look under the bonnet. Probably. Okay, all right, okay, <laughs> so a no for Sky. Our second stock, um, this is really, I find this com- company fascinating, Electro Optic Systems. Share price rose 200% last year. Australia's largest aerospace company and the largest defence exporter in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, um, its key product is a remote weapon system. I had no idea we produced this sort of stuff in Australia. I thought Bailey did this overseas. No, no, we do. It actually, it's actually, um, if I remember correctly, it had only has been listed a few years. Right. So it's, it's quite a young company also yep. in the share market. Well, it's small anyway, so it wouldn't have a lot of uh, past data which we can rely upon. Yep. Um, I personally find defense and aerospace, very difficult sectors to, to analyze or to have any confidence in. We have another company on the share market, which is called Austal, mm. that makes yes. uh, ships, for the, ships for the military in the US. Yep. They, on a regular basis, get a big knockdown in their share price because then the, the Marine decides uh, not to give them a contract. Right. Right? And that's, that's how these companies go. So um, I would, and, and, this, and by the way, they are uh, raising capital now. Yeah. about a quarter of their, of their market cap. So it's quite a lot. Yeah. So I'm assuming the share price will go up once they've placed that capital. But obviously, shareholders will have been diluted. Yeah. Uh, so the share price won't go back anytime soon to where it was. Yeah. Um, given the size of the company, the sector it's in, I think it's, it's at best a speculative uh, punt right. and not so much uh, an investment you can trust. Okay. Howard, what do you think of electro-optic systems? And I suppose, as Rudy was explaining, the, the government filter you've got to put over this is where do you go through a cycle where, where governments sort of start investing in, in defence, whether the US increases its budget or here in Australia, you know, that really determines the, the future of these sorts of companies, does it? Yes, and... Uh... Uh, David, I would agree with what Rudy said. These are very difficult companies to analyze. Now, um, every now and then somebody will say to me, well, seeing as you have a physics degree, why can't you analyze it? Well, I could analyze maybe the technology, perhaps, although it's so long ago since I did physics, um, probably miles out of date anyway. But uh, the, the point still is, as a company, this has only made profits for the last two years. As Rudy says, and as you've said, they're reliant on new contracts from defence. Who knows when they'll get one, when they don't get one. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got 10 years worth of history, but it may have been a reverse listing. In those 10 years, there have been occasional years where there have been profits. They've got other years where there have been losses. Um, to me, uh, these are not investments. Uh, you're looking for companies where you can be virtually certain earnings per share will growing faster than inflation uh, in the period of your time horizon that you're investing for. And I could never look at this and say to myself, I'd be virtually certain their earnings will grow. 
I can look at it and say what they're doing seems very exciting and I'd like to read about it, but I wouldn't like to put my money in it. So a no from me. Yeah, <laughs> I think you put that really well. Really exciting business to read about. And and you do look at it, uh, has established partnerships with major global aerospace giants, a massive backlog of work, remote weapon system. It's sort of our own little Star Wars in, in real life. But yeah, how do you work it out? And I suppose it falls into that, that category. There are easier investment decisions to make than with this one out there at the moment. All right, so a no from Howard. If you want something speculative and exciting to tell the neighbours from Rudy, maybe it's a spec. (laughs) And keep your fingers crossed. Um, Howard, Wise Tech Global always seems to be in the news. It has a a share price that is a bit of a roller coaster. Some big short sellers got into it. Not, um, not so long ago, a global logistics software business. Um, what's your view on WiseTech? Well, it's certainly in its short history done extraordinarily well. For, put aside the share price, I'm talking about the business. Earnings have been growing incredibly rapidly. They started off doubling every year. Now, nothing can double every year for terribly long because if it doubles every year for 10 years, it would have to be over a thousand times the size in 10 years' time. So you have to ask yourself, is that even possible in the market? Uh, in more recent years, they've been growing at about 40% a year, in fact, 47 the last couple of years, um, Even if, which is spectacular. It's phenomenal. It's extraordinarily exciting. But you have to ask yourself, if you're going to be a long-term investor, do I think this company could continue growing in the industry that it's in at another 47% a year because it's on a PE ratio of about 68. Now, that's okay, a PE ratio of 68 is not that terrible if you can grow at 47% a year, it's not that expensive. But can they grow at 47% a year? Now, to grow at 47% a year, they would have to be roughly 55 times the size they are today in 10 years' time. I don't think this entire industry could support one player 55 times the size, unless it virtually took over the entire industry. So it's done phenomenally well. Its return on on equity is not all that good, by the way, but it's done it with uh, no debt and it's growing its earnings. So I think it's a very exciting looking company, but at these kind of PE ratios that it is, which is sort of justified by the past growth rate, um, I could never justify it. Team Invest members looking at it have, have sort of thought that, uh, you know, if the share price was uh, somewhere around about 12 or $13, it would look like a good investment. But at the current share price of close to $20, uh, really not practical. Yeah. Rudy, what do you think of WiseTech? Because its it software is pretty good, is it? And it's in that logistics business, it's sort of for... Uh, like freight companies and things like that. Is yes, it? well, the, it, the funny story is it has its origin in ACDC. Um, I mean, when, when Australia's largest rock band was traveling around the world, there's a lot yeah. of material that needs to ship right. around. So that's where it finds its origin. I mean, in, in, in structuring the fact that one day you have to be in Hamburg and the next day you have to be in Minneapolis or something. No. And yes, exactly. Is that right? Early 90s, late 80s, this is where, this is where they find their origin. So right. when Howard says it's a relatively small business, as a, as a listed business on the ASX, yes. Yeah. 
Right. But it's it's actually actually finds its origin in the late eighties, early nineties. So the founder yes. used to do the logistics yes. for ACDC. Yes, and that's mm. where they find the origin. So right. that's it's actually a great Australian story. Yeah. Now since they're listed, then they they haven't really stitched up the whole sector because it's actually an emerging sector. But yeah. they are because they do so many acquisitions, they are the number one at the moment, the front runner. Yeah. But they're not the only one in that sector. So there's a little, little bit of a of a fast race who gets who gets at the at the end point uh, the quickest. Um, I'm not. I mean, I'm, here's the thing. I, I was a shareholder for quite a while, right. and I've done I've done really really well because share price has done really really yeah. well. What you don't see in the in the numbers like a PE ratio and the growth rate is is the the market power that if they achieve market leadership in that sector you get the network effect. So basically you become right. the REA of the global, ah, right. uh, the global uh, logistics, uh, logistics right. sector. So that is an immensely powerful position if you can get there. Yeah. Right? So obviously it's a race that's, that, that is yet to be decided, but to, in order to win that race, they all have to acquire quite a lot of companies. I mean, right. Now, it seldom happens that a company that, that grows through acquisitions doesn't stumble at some point. Right. The problem that I have with, with Wisetech is, is, is twofold. It's on one end, the CEO is owning a property and the business is, is leasing that from the CEO, which I think is, is an is a intermingling you don't need right. uh, as a listed company. And yeah. I wouldn't do it myself if I, if I were the CEO. Not great governance. Mm, exactly, yeah. exactly. The other thing is, is that um, last year it was, it was attacked by short sellers. Yeah. And out of I, Asia, was that? The well, they, 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 they tend or? to do it from overseas because right. they sort of can escape the fact that they're being scrutinized then. Right. Uh, which in itself is, is not the, the correct way of doing this. But you yeah. can't, I mean, we can only regulate Australia. We can't, we can't really stop them from yeah. doing it from overseas. But see, see, I got actually quite in a stouse with, with, with the, the short sellers because I was a, I was a shareholder at the time as well. The, accus the, ac the accusation here was that they cooked the books, essentially. Yeah. Right? Now I've always said I don't have I have no proof that they actually cooked the books. Yeah. But what I do agree with is that they they should open up and give more transparency because there is definitely a lack of transparency. Yeah. The share price actually recovered quite well from from the from the big sell off. I think here it's it's more of a sideways pattern it will be in. There's not much up unless the transparency will come through I think. Right. And I think this business will at some point will just have to conclude that the market will remain a little bit skeptical. Right, because they they just want more insight. And what's so what's, what's under the bonnet? What's got to work on its reputation, and also just give more insight in, in how exactly right. they they come with, come up with their numbers That's and their growth numbers and stuff like that. So I okay. I suspect that ultimately the market will force them to do so, because right. if you have an acquisition uh, driven strategy, yeah, you better get your share price up. Yeah, because that's the way it works. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. So no longer a shareholder. No longer a shareholder. Be getting in there. And I'm at the moment on the sidelines. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, that is uh, Wise Tech. Really good analysis from both Rudy and Howard. There. Um, our next stock, uh, Rudy, one of the big four banks, darling of retail <laughs> investors. Westpac under pressure at the moment. Will they yes. raise? Won't yes. they raise? They're going to cut their dividends. They're going to cut their dividends. By the way, they yeah. have deferred them, but we shouldn't. We should interpret that as they're not going to pay us. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so why? I don't. Didn't Petty King just come out and go? No, no dividend. The market would have accepted it. Was expecting. Yeah. It. Yeah. But, I know. But by saying deferring and then cutting yeah. it, yeah. you sort of 
you're going to be beaten up twice. Why not just be beaten up? Maybe once? there's a philosophy that if, if I pay out half with the final dividend, right. it's, it's a blow that comes off. It's, it's less of a no, hit, you know no. what I mean? It's less oh, bad okay. news and I still okay. can cover it up. Right. I mean, on the banks, I mean, my philosophy is very simple and I've, I've, and I've data and analysis for, for, for at least two decades of this. If you want to buy a bank in Australia, you buy Commonwealth Bank. Right. right? Um, always the most expensive one. Or Macquarie? Uh, yes, but that's not a traditional bank, right, and, okay. and they at the moment um, will have two or three years of, of, of headwinds. Right. Okay. Um, they will have they have assets that they have to write down and, and right. take an impairment. So if you're going to do a big four, go comma. I would, and, and I would just not 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 doubt about it. I mean, if you the whole every every stockbroker who covers these stocks, they always come up with a, with a, with a favourite, and some yeah. of them have respect for favourite. It's always based on on the valuation gap between the rest of the banks and Commonwealth Bank. Yeah. At the moment, that gap is quite large. Right? Right. So at some point, that will narrow, and, and that's your short term. And you go yeah. like, yeah, I took the right bank. But you actually don't, because longer term, the Commonwealth Bank always performs better. Right? Right. So what happens in the bad times, it, it has less bad news to offer investors. For right. example, it, it, uh, it's, it almost by definition will not cut its dividend to the same extent as, as NAP has done and as Westpac and ANZ will do. Yeah. And in the good times, it, um, it performs better as well. So why would you go for any of the other banks outside okay. of, of short-term considerations? Right. So would you go to a, a bank at all? Would you invest Not in Not me personally, no. Right. But if you okay. have to, go for Commodore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Howard Rudy says, well, no, don't go for any of them. But if you had to, because it's like bricks and mortar. Uh, Australians just love the big four banks, don't they? So, what do you think of Westpac? Yeah, well, um, I'd like to create some controversy by disagreeing with Rudy, but on this one, I can't possibly because there's nothing to disagree with. Um, you know, uh, we we have four banks in Australia which largely cover the almost the entire market, so. Hardly surprisingly, over the last 15 or 20 years, the share prices of the banks and they're driven by their earnings per share, with the exception, as Rudy says, of Commonwealth Bank, have in fact not gone up. They haven't even kept up with inflation. If you bought banks 15 years ago, um, you're still price-wise underwater in terms of inflation quite significantly, with the exception of the Commonwealth Bank. And that's not so surprising. You know, Australia's population grows at a one and a half percent a year. Our economy grows at another two percent a year. That's three and a half percent growth in total that the banks could get. Take off the inflation, which has averaged about three percent over that 15 years. Last couple of years, a little bit yeah. less than that. Are you adding the it's dividend in there? Surprising. That is it? Is that just share price or total return? That share price. Right. Now, obviously, you get a dividend. Now, how do the banks generally pay dividends? They periodically raise capital and use some of that money to pay the dividends. So they create more shares in order to pay the dividends. For at least 15 years, I've been saying more or less the same thing that Rudy just said nice and uh, short and, and, and clearly, don't buy banks. If you're looking for wealth winners, they are not going to be wealth winners. If you must have a bank in your portfolio because your broker's beating you over the head and telling you to have one, if you're using a broker and not running your own investments, 
In the one to own is definitely Commonwealth Bank because it has actually grown its earnings faster than inflation. So its share price has risen faster than inflation and it's also paid dividends. The other three, um, with NAB being the worst, have done much worse than inflation. In fact, in, even if you don't count inflation, their share price is down. So the dividend you'd received um, it really is, is not a particularly good return if you take total return over that total uh, amount of time. So no, none of us in Team Invest are enthused about the banks we've been saying so for years. But like Rudy, if you're going to own a bank, own the Commonwealth Bank. Okay. All right. David, that's, maybe, that's pretty much Yeah, Maybe I can, I can throw like a left field uh, right. element in here. Someone did the calculations. I'm, I'm citing someone else here, but I, I have no doubt that the, the calculation will be correct. If you had over the past 20 years, if you owned CSL shares instead of Telstra shares, then you had by now received more dividends from CSL than from Telstra. Right. That doesn't make sense if you think about it. Yeah. But that's because people are focused on the wrong thing. If you have dividends without growth, you only can get so much and you're probably going to end up with, with a lower share price, which what happens with Telstra and it's happening with the banks. Yeah. Now, a company that grows and also pays dividends, as long as that growth continues and, and CSL has done it consistently, you actually end up ultimately getting more money from your, C your CSL shares than you get from your Telstra because the Telstra shares are going down. Yeah. Plus, they, they have to put everything in place to at least keep the dividend going. Yeah. Well, CSL doesn't care. Yeah. They, they just they just grow their business. Yeah. And so that's an interesting point mm. to see how an alternative way of, in a better way, yeah. is, is investing in companies that grow and also pay a dividend yeah. instead of simply pay a dividend and don't grow. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. All right. So I know for Westpac there. Uh, let's go to the supplements business on a big scale. A uh, big global health supplements business is Blackmore's. Um, how would you... Uh, you know, do you use any of their products? <laughs> I do, and uh, David, and in fact, I've actually owned Blackmore shares for many, many years. I've done actually really well out of Blackmore's. Right. Now, um, obviously, if you bought them when they were at $200 a share, you wouldn't have done very well out of them uh, in that period since then. But uh, I bought my Blackmore shares at uh, around about $20, bought a few more when it got a bit below $20. My average price is somewhere around about just under 20 And um, I've had very nice dividends along the way. Now, there's one thing, though, that I'm not that comfortable with Blackmore's about, and then I'll say the things I am comfortable about, and that's the buying of a factory. This has been an exceptionally successful marketing company over a very long period of time. Their brand recognition is hugely high in Australia. One of, it's the number one brand by far in its market. And it's developing a terrific brand reputation in several other countries in Asia as well. The problem, though, is what do they know about running a factory? Now, just because you're fantastic at marketing doesn't mean you're going to be very good at running a factory. And sure enough, despite um, the transaction on the factory taking a year to be finalised and them having plenty of insight into the factory, they've discovered it's not as easy running it as they thought. Now, putting that aside, um, everybody focuses on China and say, oh, they could have problems in China. Yes, that may be true. But the rest of Asia is now a bigger part of their market than China. Their total sales in other Asia is greater than their total sales in China. 
Now, it won't be more than a couple of years, and the Australian market will be a pretty small part of their total market, with uh, the rest of Asia and China being significantly larger than Australia, including, by the way, Indonesia, where they're growing really well. So I think this is a terrific stock to hold for the long term. But my one worry is, will they in the end get their factory profitable for them? I mean, it doesn't have to show profit to the market, but running it such that it's more efficient than having third party manufacturers manufacture their product. Or will they come to a point at some stage where they say, owning this factory was a bad mistake. Let's get rid of it and focus on being a marketing company. Right. Okay. So over to you. I, I can understand why you like them if, you, if your average price is about 20 bucks. It's now, now 76. Would you be buying at 76? Um, well, it's on a not particularly attractive PE ratio at the moment. So probably, no, I wouldn't be buying them at 76. But I'm very happy to hold them at 76. Right. But they have come down to sort of uh, uh, under 60 in the last uh, few months. And at a price of around about 60 or so, I'd, I'd be starting to be interested in perhaps adding to my holdings. But at, at, at 77 yeah. or, or so, 76, um, yeah. I think that's reasonable, but it's not something that would excite me to say, let me add to my holdings uh, until okay. I know what's going to happen with Catland Factory. All right. Uh, Rudy, what do you reckon of Blackmores? It's had uh, pretty unsettled leadership. For a while, the new CEO at one stage didn't work out. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so they had to change again. Uh, they, they sort of lost their way in, in recent years. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's let's throw in a Warren Buffett quote: uh, "The problem with most turnaround stories is they actually never turn around." Um, so this could quite be a longer dated story than than, than Howard is now hoping for. Uh, my, my take is a little bit different. I mean, I used to be a shareholder as well, by the way, and, and they've, they've had their times when they went really, really well. Yeah. Um, what I learned from those days is that um, this is a sector which is incredibly susceptible to competitor advertising. Yeah. In, and, and, and we saw that with Swiss and, 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 and the Germans are in the market and there's other companies. So basically, if I tomorrow if I pay a few million dollars to um, just name someone, um, one of the famous sports people or whatever, right. I have them on television every once in a while, yeah. uh, telling people they should buy my vitamins. And, and I mean, people do that. Yeah. It has an immediate result in the sales figures. Traditionally, what you can see is whenever Swiss does that or not one of the other companies does that, they are basically forced to defend their turf. So they have to spend extra on marketing as well then. And then, of course, the share price comes under pressure because you make less profits. Yeah. So that's the vulnerability of that sector, apart from the fact it's not really regulated as well. Yeah. So uh, for that reason, I, I, I've sort of steered away from it because even in the good times, you will always face the risk that at some stage they have to massively ramp up their advertising yeah. because otherwise they, 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 they can't defend their market share. And that always has that uncertainty around it. So for me, I'm... I'm, I'm, yeah. on the, I'm on the seat of there are less vulnerable, less volatile opportunities elsewhere. Okay. So why would I add Blackmore? Blackmore's? Sure. Okay. So a note from Rudy, anything around $60, Howard yeah, would start, I... to, start to be interested in a bit. Um, Westpac and O, WiseTech and O, uh, Electro-Optic Systems, if you want a sexy story to tell around the dinner party, maybe a, 
a really speculative stock, according to Rudy, a no from Howard, and Sky Network had a New Zealand, a no from both of the experts on the panel. Let's go to the second half of the call, uh, our six stock, uh, Money 3. Now, Rudy, this is sort of a personal loan finance business, isn't it? Recently honed in on new car loans. Um, yes, it, as it, a, traditional, as a, traditionally did the second-hand ones. Yeah, it, yeah. It, has, it has expanded. Go, going into new cars? And we, we, have a, we have a lot of companies in Australia in that sector. It's basically one way or another, it's consumer credit. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, these guys uh, traditionally come out of the, 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 the used car yep. uh, segment. Um, there's quite a number of, of specialized professional small cap investors that really, really like this company and they are mm. shareholders here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more cautious and you can see from the share part that the market is as well cautious because yeah. we are having a recession. Yeah. And I mean, logic dictates you that, that it will have an impact on that. Right. I mean, well, either April, April new car sales down 48%. Well, well yeah, I'm not so sure whether that, but, but I mean, people will lose their job. People are a bit, bit on, on, more uncertain about their income and stuff. Like, will they, A, will they still be as keen to take on extra debt or will they fall through the cracks as well? Because right. they have to be careful that they, they don't ramp up so much lending that they can't get it back at one stage. Yep. Um, having said so, um, they were going well for, for quite a while before we had this uh, recession going on. So you could take a punt that at some stage they will, they will, they will get back up again. But for me, the uncertainty of the recession yeah. is, just, is just too much. Yeah. Um, but as a punt, I, I can see the traction and then you have uh, to rely you on... You followed them for a while, didn't you? Yes. I think you did a story yeah. last yeah, year, yeah, exactly. last exactly. year. Yes, we did. Yes. Exactly. And they, were, and, they were, and they were going well going at, at, right. the, at that yeah. stage. So if you rely on the fact that those small cap fund managers are on the right track here and this company will at some stage have a much higher share price, right. then maybe you can join them with a punt. But I wouldn't make it a, a massive investment in your portfolio. Right. Right. And you uh, Howard, what do you think of Money 3? Yes, in fact, uh, even before any concern about a recession, which obviously we're about to have, um, their earnings per share was going down and their sales per share was going down. So the two main numbers were heading down anyway. I mean, the earnings per share in 2019, financial year 2019, was the lowest it had been since 2014. 2015, 16, 17, and 18 were all better than 19. And in fact, um, from 17 to 18, it dropped. From 18 to 19, it dropped. And the same thing with earnings per share. So I'm sure they will use as probably almost uh, uh, 2,000 of the, but over 2,000 companies on the ASX will do. When they report in August, they're all going to blame it on COVID and the lockdown in the economy. But of course, of those 2,000 odd companies that are going to blame it on COVID and the lockdown in the economy, probably about 1,500 of them were running their business badly before the lockdown and COVID, but it'll be a beautiful excuse for incompetent management. Now, I'm not saying Money 3 is incompetent management, uh, not at all. They've run their business a lot better than the bulk of the companies on the ASX because they made a profit every year and two-thirds of the companies make a loss every year. Um, but their earnings were shrinking before we got to a downturn in car sales. Sales were shrinking before we got to a downturn in car sales or sales per share and earnings per share. 
So I can only expect it will be significantly magnified by this recession. So, um, and of course, bad debts are likely, as, as uh, Rudy pointed out, and you pointed out, David, are likely to go up. So it's on a relatively low PE ratio, which on the surface may make it look attractive. But considering the company's earnings and sales were heading down even before the recession, not a company that I or other team invest members would be likely to be enthusiastic about. Okay. All right. So a no so, for, David, uh, yep, for money three. Um, and next stock on the list that you've sent through for the call each and every weekday between midday and 1pm, we go through 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes to give you a bit of direction. Uh, MNF, a telecommunication software and and service provider, Howard, um, what do you think of MNF? Yeah, very clever little company. I mean, what they, I mean, it's a pretty small company, but what Rene Sugo is the CEO has done over the years extraordinarily well, he and his team, is they found all these little morsels that are too small for the big telcos to really be interested in. Little niches here, little niches there that enable people to connect with one another, that form sometimes a bit of the backbone that's essential for the big players, but they really don't want to bother with it because uh, the amount of dollars involved in it is too small to move the dial for them and even have a discussion in a board meeting. And they've gone into all those areas. So they've become over time more and more and more essential to all the businesses that that uh, use telecommunications uh, or that sell telecommunications. And in fact, um, with work, people working from home and them providing phone numbers, um, that's probably given their business quite a big boost. So very clever little, a very clever player in many different niches, a great ability to spot the opportunities. So on that basis, I really like the company. Um, and it'll, it's probably going to be able to continue growing earnings quite nicely. Its return on equity is high, its debt's reasonably low, it's growing its earnings. But if it becomes a big company, it won't have the same advantages. So it's small enough now that it could still grow for many years, um, but it will reach a point that this uh, fantastic ability it's got to spot these small niches and make a couple of million dollars out of each of these small niches uh, will eventually go away uh, as it gets too big. So a great little business, and I wouldn't like to see it five times the size, well, sorry, I wouldn't like to own it when it's five times the size, I currently own it. But if it gets to five times the size, I think it's going to have great difficulty okay. growing from then on. But at, but at this level, a good stock, and it's had a good bounce back from the lows too in uh, in March, almost back to its, its pre-March crash days. Yes, I mean, price-wise, it's not an exciting share price to buy right now. I mean, you could buy it for uh, uh, under $2.80 only a little while ago. And certainly anything up to about three fifty is probably reasonable buying. But uh, uh, at $4.90, it's, it's – mind you, I'm just sorry. I'm having a look on my figures here. No, I was being a bit too pessimistic. Um, it's a bit expensive now, but not a lot. I mean, if it if it dropped 30 or 40 cents, it would start looking like a reasonable buy. Right. Okay. Rudy? Yeah, you probably remember when I was on with Claude, we uh, we, we, we talked about And Claude was shareholder as well, by yes, the way. He bought right. it at the very bottom. Um, I mean, I'm still sitting on the sidelines a little bit here. I agree the share price doesn't look very attractive here. 
Uh, however, your observation is absolutely accurate. The fact that the share market has allowed it to go back to where it was yeah. um, after management had indicated that they are sitting at the wrong, at the right time, at the right place. Yeah. Uh, they are benefiting from the fact that everyone works from home and uses the internet more. These guys are actually facilitating the large tech giants like, like a Skype, for example. You yeah. make the calls, they, they make sure the quality is, is, is great of the calls, uh, at least in this region. Yeah. And uh, in the obvious observation, which I made last time as well, over the years, I've been following this company for, for quite a while. Everyone's always excited. Everyone thinks this, this should really be a big, big winner. Since 2016, the share price essentially hasn't moved. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow there's more at stake, there's more in play there than, than just having that great potential. And shareholders who have been sitting there since 2016 haven't seen any returns. Yeah. Um, that's my, that's my, my suspicion. They still have to deliver, basically, and they haven't so far. So I'm sitting on the sidelines here, and I think if you want to jump on board, you definitely have to go for a cheaper share price, because yeah. if, they, if they fail to deliver, you could be sitting another four years at the same share right. price. Okay. All right. So I know from Rudy, Howard uh, likes it. If you can get it for, for 30 cents cheaper, half your luck, that would be better. Um, our next stock um, is a forestry business, Rudy, in the wood fibre business, uh, Midway, so that, that agricultural sector. It's it's exactly, it's, it's wood fibre. Um, yeah. I think that that is everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which was the other share price we saw? Oh, Skynet. Uh, th this is a similar looking share price. I mean, right. they haven't been listed for quite a, for, for a while, but the share price is well below uh, yeah. to where, they, where the IPO price. I mean, wood chips, wood fiber, wood in general, hardwood, it's, it's, it's a commodity. Yep. It goes through to very fast cycles. Uh, prices can drop and, and, and rise quite instantly. And obviously, yeah. the, the, the price hasn't moved in, Gee, in, into the company's favor. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, the price <laughs> hasn't moved in, in the company's favor for uh, the main. So for me, this is just, I mean, this is just, uh, just for me, this is not investment grade. I mean, right. it's, uh, you, you read the books and people always say you buy these stocks when they're down and then you write the cycle. Yeah. It's much easier to do in books than it is in the actual share market. Right. Uh, but having said so, I, I guess if you want, if you want to, get on board now is the time and not when they were at their high yeah, yeah yeah but you have to you probably have to be patient and i mean no doubt the cycle will turn for them but uh yeah. my goodness um not my type of investment yeah howard that's a big fall from grace is that <laughs> yes it is although interestingly um two points about it it's earnings per share and its sales per share been rising um but it's a commodity business as rudy says and commodity businesses usually do what, uh, when I saw the name, by the way, I didn't know what this company did. And when I looked it up and I saw the name Midway, every time I think of Midway, I think of lots of ships being sunk uh, in the Second World War. So I think it was in 1942. And when I looked up, it was a forestry company. I thought, oh, well, somebody with a sense of humor named this company um, because forestry companies generally sink people's wealth. Um, so perhaps it's appropriately named, but having looked at the numbers, its earnings and sales per share have been rising. Um, as a forestry company, I'm surprised to see that, but no, I wouldn't touch it for exactly the same reasons that Rudy says. It's a commodity company, and uh, the only time you can, in fact, buy commodity companies is when that commodity is not wanted 
and uh, the prices are incredibly low and the company is struggling like crazy and then you may make money, but that's gambling, that's not investing. I'd rather buy into businesses that are growing their earnings on a consistent yeah. basis, irrespective of what the share price is doing, because that's where you make the money. All right, let's go from one end of the commodity resource sector to uh, the other end, Howard, um, with Rio Tinto. Yes, well, again, uh, I mean, Rio is another commodity company. Uh, do I get enthused about Rio? No. Uh, I remember before the GFC um, being castigated for saying on television that I wouldn't really be enthusiastic about owning Rio. At that time, Rio was heading towards $100 a share, and I got a lot of hate mail telling me, you'll regret it when Rio's share price rises above $100. And sure enough, it rose above $100. It's now still below $100 again, and that's something like uh, 13 years afterwards. Um, and why? For exactly the same reason we were talking about with commodities. At the moment, Vale uh, is not able to produce the kind of volumes it used to produce. So Rio and BHP have had a bit of, and Fortis have had a bit so of. So Barlow's the, iron ore we should, being for high. people who don't know, is the, is the biggest iron ore producer in the world, is uh, based in South America. It's got production problems, and that's keeping the iron ore price up for BHP and Rio. Correct. Thanks, David. And um, uh, effectively, in the long term, all commodity prices, uh, price-wise, land up being marginally above the cost of production. At the moment, Rio has got a, a, an iron ore price that's a long, long way above the cost of production, so they're making money like crazy. Do I think that's going to continue? No. What happens with all commodities is the same as we saw with oil and gas. Uh, everybody talks about peak oil uh, and it says the oil price will be $500 a, a barrel. I think it was Goldman Sachs who quoted that some 15 odd years ago. Um, sure enough, lots of explorers explore for more oil. They find more oil. The price collapses. Um, lots of the people in the industry go broke. Nobody does any exploration. Then the price starts rising because there's a bit of a shortage again. Uh, this is not, to me, investing. This is okay. sort of gambling on a cycle. So, no thanks. No. Not for me. Really? I'll join Howard. I mean, commodity stocks is not for me. Okay. All right. Our final stock. So, no for both of you on that. Uh, Rudy Tabcorp, gambling entertainment, poised about 5,000 people, has had to close all its... TAB stores uh, all on, the time. On, on paper, people like it because it's supposedly uh, very reliable and people always gamble and all that. But if you pay attention to the detail, the share price hasn't moved for five or six years or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I haven't been in, in favor. I'm, I'm still not. I actually think that the company is probably not that well managed. Um, there's online competition. Uh, the fact that uh, Jumbo Interactive is doing a better job mm in mm. selling their product online than they do themselves at a higher cost, um, I can't get excited. Right. right? And Are you excited about Jumbo though? Um, more, I would be more than, than Debcorp, yes. Right. Howard? Yeah, I'm with Rudy. Uh, you know, in the last 10 years, it's, uh, earnings per share has dropped by almost half. So it's hardly surprising that the share price hasn't done terribly well. Uh, it had a terrific year in 2012 with very high earnings, 
hasn't come close to that since. And, um, you know, uh, besides which, uh, uh, our team invest members, when, when they look at a company like this, they always say, if I'm going to be putting my money into a company, I'm really saying I would like there to be more of that. I would like that company to succeed and be more of it. And seeing as most of our members uh, don't like the idea of there being more of gambling and wagering and mm. so on, um, they say if the name Tab Corp comes up, they don't even bother looking at the figures. They say, let's pass and talk about something else. So, uh, uh, and my feeling too, I mean, it's return on equities low, it's earnings aren't growing, uh, it's debt levels all right. I mean, that's, that's the one and only good thing you can say about it. So right. a no for me. Okay, you two blokes. Uh, in the second half of the 10, money three, a no, M&F, uh, Howard likes, but a lower price. Um, Midway, no, Rio, no, Tabcorp. Rudy, give us one you do like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I own, I, own, I own a company which is called Babcor. Yep. And uh, they do um, car parts aftermarkets right. predominantly. Yeah. Um, and they're now expanding into, into Asia. Yep. Um, I th still think that is, in particular, given it's, it's relatively um, medium-sized in, 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 yep. in, in market cap, it's one of the most resilient businesses on the stock market. Okay. And I think you can still buy it at today's share price. Yeah, and uh, I suppose car parks and pro parts will be more in demand as people keep their cars longer. Um, Howard, have you got one you like for us outside of our 10? <laughs> um, yes, but I think it's worth mentioning something quickly first before I mention a stock. We shouldn't really be surprised that we would like a very few out of 10. There are 2,200 odd companies yep. on the stock sure. exchange, of which only a third make a profit. Yeah. Um, so already we would be down to one in three if we were only looking at companies that actually made a profit. Yeah. And I really, really believe is the best investment grade company of the lot is Technology One. Unfortunately, too many other people on the market at the moment think so too. And it gets down to the sort of seven range again. Uh, it, I'd be very excited yeah. to add to my holdings, but not at, not at almost ten dollars. Okay, well, I claim Howard, innocence. I claim innocence. There's no <laughs> convincing. Every time Rudy comes on, anything to do with the IT sector, he says, "Well, I benchmark it against Technology One, and it just doesn't stack up." So, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena, and also Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Uh, Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.